Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board here at the Athletic. Michael Beller, Dan Santaramita, and Ari Wasserman here with you on a Thursday leading into the fourth week of the college football season. The third week of the NFL season kicks off tonight between the Texans and the Panthers. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about some college games that we like as well. Uh, Dan, how you doing today going into this weekend? Good, and I'm just wondering if I'm allowed to win games that aren't fading IU at this point. That's all I can do right, <laughs> apparently. Hey, hey, you can keep on doing it. I mean, if we're getting opportunities to do it week <laughs> after week after week, we might as well keep going back to that. Well, Ari, how you doing, my friend? Uh, my play of the week is Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, how, how, how about me completely uh, going all in on a team that's inherently deeply and crazily flawed. So my bad on that guys, uh, you know, I should have probably stayed away after the Oregon game, but man, that team's messed up right now. They had a, a furious rally to almost cover for you in that game. I mean, I feel like I was up. on the right, I was on the right side. I didn't realize that the team wasn't going to care for three quarters and yeah. then decide to, you know, pour it on at the end and not cover by four points. But uh, man, no more Ohio State bets. <laughs> no more Ohio State, at least for the foreseeable future. We're referencing some of the plays we had last week. I'm going to be honest, guys, an ugly week for the show. One in five uh, between the three of us. Dan brought us the one win with that fade of Indiana, Cincinnati covering the four. Uh, Dan, you also lost on Virginia Tech. Ari took a couple of losses on Oklahoma and Ohio State. I took a couple of losses on Washington, uh, the professional football team, Washington against the Giants, and also Logan Thomas just fallen two yards short of getting over that 46-and-a-half-yard mark that I needed him to get over to win that one. So for the season, you guys are both sitting at 2-4. and four. I am at 2-3. and three. Let's get back on the horse. we got plenty of time, guys. It's an ugly start, but plenty of time to not only get to a 500, but get to profitability here. we got a long, long season ahead of us. Ari, you're going into the ACC for your first pick. Give us your first play of Week 4 for college football. I think when you say get on the horse, uh, you totally mean getting back on the same horses that you fell off of, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, of course. So I I um, opened up the season by falling into the North Carolina-Virginia Tech trap. North Carolina lost outright to Virginia Tech to open the season, and we all saw that, and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe we were too soon on the North Carolina bandwagon. And it's like, nope. <laughs> I'm not. I uh, They've scored 59 points in each of the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're laying 12 uh, this week against Georgia Tech, and um, Georgia Tech is a, a much improved version of itself, but North Carolina has found itself offensively, and I don't I don't think that there's any way that you know this team isn't going to at least score into the 40s and cover the 12. Uh, I, I think that UNC is 
a team that's supposedly on the rise, and I didn't lose confidence with them after the first week of the season. It was certainly ugly, but you know this is one of the the best teams in the ACC, maybe the second best team. You know what? With the way Clemson's been losing, I think you can say that this team could probably play with Clemson uh, when their offense is clicking. I, I chalk up the Virginia Tech game to a weird week one loss on a, on the road in a, in a hostile environment, and I think that this team is going to continue to win games and win them big. Yeah, it's at thirteen actually, but still one that you feel. Uh, pretty comfortable about with them going into Georgia Tech. Dan, yes. any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I really like this place. Almost made uh, one of my picks. I, the only thing that worries me a little bit is that Georgia Tech might slow the game down a little too much. But I think in terms of talent and offensive ability, North Carolina should be able to put up a lot of points. And if, if they hit 30, 35, 40, do you think Georgia Tech can, can hang at that number? And I don't. So I, I like this play a lot. Yeah, this is uh, – we have saw the bounce back, really, uh, from this team over the last couple of weeks. And I do think you could chalk it up, that week one loss, right? I mean, we're talking about college kids who were playing in front of full crowds for the first time in, you know, a couple of years. And it's not an easy spot to find yourself in, certainly, in that hostile environment, right? And that's not just any crowd we know in Blacksburg. So and I, and I try to do my best to yeah. – not to interrupt you, Mike, but – No, all good, all good. Please interrupt. <laughs> college football is a weird sport. And weird things happen all the time. And I try my best when looking at it from a gambling perspective to not overreact to individual results. And sometimes that bites me. It bit me with the Ohio State pick last week. But I think we're far enough removed from the Virginia Tech loss to feel like, hey, this team offensively has figured it out. They've settled down from what was a... Uh, could have been a season-defining loss. And in this week, in this spot, I don't see that Georgia Tech's going to hang with them. Yeah, it definitely feels like water finding a level over the last couple of weeks for North Carolina. And you look at last week, 59 points on Virginia. Definitely a quality opponent there. No one were putting into the Final Four or anything by that stretch, but a quality opponent. You go out, you hang 59 in them, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself. So Ari, on UNC, minus 13 at Georgia Tech. Dan, bring us into the Big Ten, your first play of the weekend. Yeah, I really like Michigan State minus five against Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, I was kind of on last week. I didn't bet on it, but I kind of had a feeling that they might cover that OU game. They're playing harder. Their defense is playing well. But I think in that game and in the Illinois game they lost, we saw why they can't win close games. Not can't, but haven't. They've made a lot of mistakes that are losing football team mistakes. Right? One of my best friends went to Nebraska, and I'm watching the game texting him going did they just false start on third and one And he's like yep this team do a t you know and then they got that blocked extra point when they're actually in the game at ou in the fourth quarter blocked extra point return for two i text him again I'm going, what the heck is going on and he goes up yep, watching this team in a nutshell like they have these habits where they struggle in close games and five is a kind of in between number where they could still hang close and lose a close game and cover but I think Michigan State's formula, they have a really good running game. They have a competent quarterback. We saw that formula work in Miami, and now maybe Miami's not really good right now. They've, they've struggled against any, any sort of competition so far. But I think Michigan State looks like your classic, strong, solid Big Ten team with that running game formula, the quarterback who doesn't turn it over much, and a solid defense. And Nebraska's a team that beats themselves a lot. So, yeah, I think Nebraska can hang with a team like Michigan State that could end up being a top 20 team by the end of the year and is ranked right now. Uh, I just don't see Nebraska winning a close game, and I think five is a small enough number that Michigan State can cover this. Are you want to jump in? Any, uh, any thoughts on this game between Michigan State and Nebraska? <laughs> yeah, I think that the interesting thing is 
uh, we're gaining context every week right. in terms of what these teams are going to be and, and who they are. And it's very tough, at least early on in the season, for me to back Mel Tucker's rebuild. You know, But I think now we're at the point where they are at least have earned the respect of, of saying, hey, this team is going to be much better than we anticipated they might be in, Tucker, in, in year two. And with Nebraska, um, I, I think that last week I obviously got trapped by the the Oklahoma, the big Oklahoma spread. But, you know, and I do think that Nebraska's playing tougher and, and harder, but I just can't get my mind out of the, the way that Nebraska is, and that's just an uh, incompetent football team when <laughs> things matter the most. You know, there's no other way to put it. Right. And, you know, I still feel like this is a team that lost to Illinois and, uh, you know, hasn't looked very good in the time since, maybe improved, but like that is a very important piece of context to me. Because mm-hmm. I, as much as I say don't overreact to, to things, there are certain things where you can't not overreact to. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a very good reaction. So I'm with you on Michigan State here. Um, I think that Nebraska is one more loss away from turning into a complete dumpster fire, and I think that that loss could be this weekend. Yeah, transitive property doesn't necessarily apply in sports, but if you mm-hmm. lose to Illinois and then you go on and do what Nebraska has done since then, then that Illinois loss is always going to stick out there as like a, this team can be that bad week in and week out. So we've got, and one it's not point. one of those things too, with, with they beat or lost to Illinois and then Illinois, it's just, they lost right. to Illinois. Yeah, like if you're exactly. capable of losing to Illinois, <laughs> right, I don't, right. you know, I'm not trying to trans transitive anything. It's just a head to head matchup of like, uh-huh. what does that tell you about Nebraska? And I think it tells you quite a bit. It definitely tells you quite a bit. I'm going to jump into the NFL for my first pick of the week. It'll be my second pick as well. Again, Texans and, uh, Panthers going head to head tonight to kick off week three. I don't love anything on the total or the spread. Eight points is a lot to be laying on the road on a short week, even though we think the Panthers might be a pretty good team this season. Going up against Davis Mills, his first career start with Terod Taylor out today because of the hamstring injury. I look at Robbie Anderson, and that's a very low number for him. 43 and a half uh, receiving yards is his prop. I think he goes over that, and I think we get some context clues, actually, guys, from the rest of the props. Most specifically, Robbie Anderson's reception prop. It's three and a half, and it is minus 155. So it is a significant favorite that he goes over three and a half catches. Last year, Robbie Anderson had at least four catches in 14 games. And in 12 of those, he went 44 yards or more. And in most of those, it was way over 44 yards. So if his if it's if he is a major favorite to get the four catches, when he gets to four catches, he is also a major favorite to go over 43 and a half receiving yards. So I will take what I feel like is basically the same bet, four catches, 44 yards, but I'll take the minus 110 price rather than the minus 155 price that you have to lay to get that reception prop. So give me Robbie Anderson. It's been a slow start to the season for him, but a pretty good start to the season for Sam Darnold and this passing game. I think we see Robbie Anderson get in the mix more than he has been the first couple of weeks this season. I really like him going over this number. Did I sell you guys on that? Can I, can yes, I get you I'm on in. board with me? <laughs> I, I have, Ever since you, you hit the... Uh... The first CD. prop that the CD prop I've been in, and like I was with you on the the Logan Thomas uh, prop last week, uh, and I don't know if you mentioned this on the show, but I was watching the game uh, last Thursday, and uh, the first play of the game, he had a, a wide open. You know, I think it was twenty five yards downfield, and Heineke yeah. just missed him, and I was just I was like Shooter McGavin on the on the oh yeah. oh you know I, so. Right. 
<laughs> the point at the point of the catch, he was at 25 yards. Remember that halfway to winning that on the very first play of the game, if Heineke doesn't throw the ball behind him, but uh, can't take those back. Feel good that Robbie Anderson at least gets that back. A one unit loss, a one unit win right here. Give me Robbie Anderson going over the 43 and a half mark tonight against the Texans. All right, guys, pick two for each of us here, and we're going to go to you, Ari, uh, living in the ACC, actually, this week. Didn't make the connection before right now, but uh, after UNC laying 13 at Georgia Tech, you've got another ACC road favorite that you want to back for pick number two. Yeah, I mean, two. I'm just got to stay away from the Big Ten for a minute after <laughs> what happened. But, uh, uh, the thing here is that I think that we have to stop playing the helmet game and just kind of admit that Florida State sucks. Uh, I mean, they're not they're not a very good football team. They've had one really good quarter or half, excuse me, of football against Notre Dame in week one. And as the weeks go by, I think we're also trying to we're also starting to figure out that that Notre Dame is uh, not very good and actually was pretty close to making Wisconsin one of my picks uh, this week. But I didn't want to make you too happy, Mike. So I just (laughs) uh, that line has moved from five to six and a half as well. So I, I like Wisconsin as well this weekend. But Lee, uh, Louisville is just, uh, you know, had pretty good quarters. They've got pretty good lines. Uh, Florida State's strength is their defensive line. I think Louisville's offensive line could hold up to that. Louisville's four uh, and one against the spread again in the last five games against uh, Florida State. Uh, Florida State is like one and six in its last seven games. And like they just lost to Jacksonville State and didn't really show much of a pulse against Wake Forest last week. I know that the line movement is kind of scary in this game, as you informed me before. It went from two and a half to one and a half, but uh, Louisville, in my opinion, is is playing much better than uh, they were to start the season. And and really, when you think about who they've played in terms of offensive juggernauts, uh, Mississippi and, and UCF, they beat one of those teams uh, coming off a major win against UCF a week ago, and you know they've held up pretty well against uh, two teams that I think are are much much, much better than Florida State. So um, on the road, I, I like them to go there and and get the win. And I, I just don't know that Florida State has much of a pulse right now. Yeah, it's um, I, the, the, my, that was my impression after Florida State Notre Dame earlier this season when Jack Cohn had the big game. And knowing Jack Cohn from watching all of his time at Wisconsin, uh, my first impression was, Maybe Notre Dame's or maybe Florida State's not very good. If that's what they let Jack Cohn put up against them, so uh, I can get on board with this. I before. saw a tweet after that game that was really funny, though. Yeah, what it was said it? somebody, and I'm not to be offensive to you, but I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but after Jack Cohn uh, tore up Florida State's defense, somebody said it looks like uh, Jack Cohn had a Wisconsin problem, not the vice versa. <laughs> oh and it, boy, it, it, was a, it was a shot at Wisconsin, and I think that. Uh, we're starting to regress back to the mean on that one. Yeah, might be, might just be Jack Cohn having a little bit of a Jack Cohn problem, <laughs> which uh, I guess I feel guilty about saying about a guy who's like, I don't know, 15 or 16 years younger than me. But that's the conversation <laughs> that we are in the middle of having. And I love, love, love that extra little Wisconsin pick. Game at Soldier Field, not too far from where both Dan and I are sitting right now. Dan, take us into the SEC for your second pick of the week. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking to the two conferences I think I know best from my uh, school allegiances, but uh Kentucky, South Carolina, Kentucky minus five. I just don't think South Carolina is any good. I think this line is a little bit of an overreaction. I know Ari loves talking about overreactions here. I'm going to bring one up. Uh, Kentucky struggled with Chattanooga last week, which is a little weird. But I think it was one of those weird in-between games. They just came off a pretty big win against Missouri, where that's kind of like the third-place game in the SC East, or at least we think it might be. Uh, Kentucky got that win. Looked pretty solid by my eye. And now they're playing a South Carolina team that I don't think is very good. South Carolina also 
you know, just get, coming off getting blown out by Georgia, which, you know, no big deal there, but also really struggled against East Carolina. So it's not like they haven't had a close game against the inferior opponent uh, on paper. Uh, Kentucky's won five of six in the series. You guys realize that? Uh, Kentucky is, is turned into a pretty competent SEC team. I know that you talk about helmets and, and Kentucky, you know, lags behind in that in that conference, but they've been a really solid team for a while. And since Spurrier left, South Carolina has not been. Uh, I think five is a relatively small number here to play. I know it's a road game in the SEC. I just don't think South Carolina is any good. And I think we're going to find that out. I think Kentucky's been a solid team. Uh, and, and can win this game by a score or two. The the Kentucky program is completely different than it was six years ago. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Mark Stoops has completely elevated the recruiting results of that program. He's dipped into Ohio and taken prospects that should have been going to Big Ten schools and you know has made them a very competent football team. The only thing that would scare me just a little bit on this is that South Carolina is having a huge recruiting weekend this weekend, and like the coaches really, really need to win this game. Now, I don't know how much <laughs> that has any, any bearing on whether uh-huh. or not they're actually going to do that. And I actually talked to Shane Beamer on the phone this week for a story about his rant about Georgia. Um, but I do think that Kentucky is probably the better football team here. The only thing that, that – you know, is a little bit tough here is five is just a truly odd number yeah. to lay. Mm-hmm. And if you're laying five, you're laying seven, basically, right. or you're laying six. Right. Um, and, you know, that can get kind of tricky on the road. But I do think that Kentucky is uh, more than five points better of a football team than mm-hmm. South Carolina. They're just going to have to go out and not lay an egg uh, like they did for the first week or the first <laughs> the whole game against the Dutch <laughs> the week yeah. before. Yeah, one of those good point there, one of those weird in-between numbers where game script almost is going to be not just as important as Kentucky playing as good as it is and as better as it is in South Carolina, but you do need things to be flowing in such a way where they don't need a score late where they're already winning, things of that nature. You really do want them to be a couple of scores ahead going in late so they don't have to worry about getting above that five with where that sits. Dan, Kentucky minus five at South Carolina. I'm going to wrap this up by going back to the Panthers. Look, I I typically... So back in week one, Ari brought up my amazing CD Lamb play, and that one hit. I also had one that I didn't talk about on the show where, you know, it's the first week of the season. Let's have some fun. CD Lamb to score the first touchdown of the game. Uh, the Buccaneers scored the first touchdown of that game. Chris Godwin, I want to say. Maybe it was one of Gronk's touchdowns. Either way, the Buccaneers scored the first touchdown of that game. Then CD Lamb comes back on the very next possession and scores a touchdown. It's like, all right. That's it. I am done with first touchdown props. I will bet a player to score his team's first touchdown, but I'm not playing the luck game where I need that team to score first also. So I look up and down the Panthers, and who like anytime I can get Christian McCaffrey on some sort of touchdown prop like this, I sort of want to get behind it. I talked about him last week on our Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast show where we go into every single game for the week, and I had him going over the 113.5 total yards mark that he had a week ago cruised past it and this week it's up to 134 and a half and so you know Christian McCaffrey is the sort of guy who you want to bet whenever the price comes down just a little bit and this is a little bit lower of a number than we're used to seeing from Christian McCaffrey his anytime touchdown is minus 225 so the gap between anytime and first even though you do need a little bit of luck to be the first touchdown just it's a little too wide for me to not want to get on this so I will take Christian McCaffrey at the plus mark at 175 to score the Panthers' first touchdown. Let's just hope, guys, because we need a little bit of luck, and I feel like luck should be on our side after that one-in-five week and go back to week one where we had a couple of very narrow losses between the three of us. Luck needs to be on the side of best on the board this week. I'm taking McCaffrey first to overall touchdown. <laughs> What's that sitting at? Uh, I think it's like plus 320. Uh, I, I uh, right. uh, 
but I'm just doing it based on what you said. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm showing confidence in you by taking it a step further. Better uh, hope better hope the Texans win the toss. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe Davis Mills doesn't strike, uh, strike the fear of God into your heart that he's going to march downfield and, and put a score on the Texans right away. So uh, I've got Davis that? Mills in my uh, – my dynasty fantasy uh, football league. So you watch your mouth. I, I actually, I'm in a, I'm, most of the leagues I play in are super flex leagues, you know, where you're starting two quarterbacks every week. And so I actually, I had to scoop Davis Mills in one because Tua out this week, Ben Roethlisberger potentially out this week. And those are my uh, second and third quarterbacks in that league. So I'm actually looking at maybe do I roll the dice and wait to see if Roethlisberger plays this weekend or do I just go ahead and trot Davis Mills out there? So well, it's a fun uh, 10 hours or so ahead for me as I mull over that uh, mull over that potential decision. Christian McCaffrey first touchdown is plus 333 on BetMGM. I'm not going for the first overall touchdown, just the first Panthers touchdown at plus 175. And that's going to do it for this episode of Best on the board let's do it guys let's go out there let's get let's put a four and two week up on the board uh between the three of us that's what i'm feeling four and two five and one this is the week to turn things around thank you for sticking with us watching us here on youtube listening to the podcast as well this show returns on friday me and casey join are going to take a deeper look at the nfl three of us will be back here a week from now to take a look at week five college football and week four nfl have a great night enjoy all the games that you'll be watching happy betting we'll talk to you soon 